said the very thing the last time that I preached here. I'm not sure this is a sermon. When uh, Brian asked to, if I could fit into the theme of Arise and Shine um, for your Advent season, immediately it brought me to an encounter that, I've had, that I had with Jesus just about a month ago. And that's really what I want to share with you about. I want to share about this sweet time in my office at my desk where, and you've experienced this, I believe, where it just seemed like the presence of the Lord came down. And and what usually is, uh, you know, a a rising up in prayer to, to the throne, I felt like Jesus just met me and came down in that little office that I have. And it was sweet and it's exactly what I needed. So I'm actually praying that the same kind of thing would happen for each of us here in this sanctuary this morning. And I'd like you to join me in that prayer. Would you bow with me? Lord, uh, we love that you've been faithful to this promise from day one, that if just two or three of us would come together in your name, you will come into the midst of that gathering. And so, Lord, we believe that, and you've been faithful to that over and over and over and over again. But, Lord, I'm asking for even more. I'm asking for that manifest sense of your holy presence in this sanctuary. And, Lord, man, I don't know how you do this, but I believe you can. Lord, even through the technology of live streaming, Lord, wherever anyone is that is listening or will listen to this. Lord, I'm asking, I'm, I'm just asking, Lord, because I know how sweet this is. I've tasted and I've seen, Lord, Would you allow your spirit to descend in such a way that not one of us could miss you this morning? But Lord, your holy presence would just fill the room that we're in right now. And Lord, would you speak things? Lord, man, please, if what I'm about to say doesn't grip the heart of a listener, Lord, would you say the very word? that would grip their heart in spite of me this morning. And Lord, would you allow us to encounter your majesty, your beauty, your power, your love, your grace, your sufficiency, your authority. Lord, with a word, would you do that for us this morning, wherever we are? And, Lord, we will respond. Lord, I believe that's what's going to happen in in just a few moments. Lord, we will respond to that with hearts that are full of love. We'll respond to that in worship. So, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for your faithfulness. And, Lord, just as Advent calls us and challenges us, we are anticipating your coming today, right here, right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at Isaiah chapter 60. And I want you to keep your Bibles, if you have them, open to that passage. I'm going to read the first two verses here to begin and then come back to the next uh, verse 3, 4, and 5 towards the end of this message this morning. It's entitled, Rise and Shine. I don't know whether any of you have issues with that phrase, but I do, I realized. When I started writing this and realized the title from Isaiah 60 should be Rise and Shine, did anyone else have parents that would wake you up with those words when you were a child? Now, 
uh, sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Rise and shine, kind of sweet. Well, the truth is that phrase comes from a military term, and it wasn't sweet. It was get up and get busy, and I think that's what my dad understood it to be. Because that voice of that man, no Stevenson man, if you heard Zach leading this morning, has ever had trouble with volume, and that comes from my father. And when he would yell, rise and shine, it was not sweet. It would wake you up, and man, the hair on the back of your neck would stand up. I have some issues with rise and shine, but I'm hoping that what comes from today will be a sweetness. Listen to Isaiah 60, starting with verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light has come. This is a messianic prophecy primarily for Israel, but Jesus, would you allow this passage today be a part of what we receive from being grafted in? Amen? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Listen. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. I want to stop right there for just a moment because that's how many of us feel about 2020, right? Darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. And that's what initiated this sweet encounter that I had with Jesus about a month ago in my office. I was in a bit of a dark night of the soul, and things had just accumulated for me to the point where I was at that place where, man, I have no idea what to think, what to say, what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it was just this accumulation of angst and tension, man, just the, the inactivity of March through November, the, the strangeness, the weirdness, the having to think outside the box constantly, the pressure of people around me getting sickness, the, the months in past where our country has been in such turmoil racially and trying as a leader in Christ's church to address that. But every time I thought about what to say, it just seemed so wrong or, in, you know, I, I just, inauthentic, I just didn't know. And, and we actually had times as a staff in the church I'm a part of in Eastern PA where we just said, look, how do, we, what, how do we speak? What do we say? What can we do as a church to stand up in our part of the world and declare the heart of the Lord in the midst of this tension? And, and we were at a loss. And the political unrest and the level of angst that this whole election process and so all of those tensions of pandemic and racial tension and political anger that was being spewed and added to that personally was uh, having to move my parents that are living in, who are living in Kentucky right now. In May, we had to move them into a nursing home uh, facility there in Wilmore, Kentucky, the nursing home part of Wesley Village, and knowing 
exactly what that would feel like for my dad. I told my boys this weekend, I often, when I was a kid, went with him. He's a pastor. I would go with him in his regular nursing home visitation. I'd come home from school. He'd say, hey, Richie, you want to go with me? I'm visiting. And, man, I would say, just to be with him, absolutely, let's go. And, man, just to be in those settings. And oftentimes I, can, I could remember hearing him say, just don't ever put me in a place like that. Don't ever put me in a place like that. And now we had no other choice. He knew that. We knew that as my sisters and I made decisions. We had to because of especially my mother's health at that time. Moved them in, but then having no contact with them. I literally went from May until just a couple of weeks ago here in November without seeing them and trying to get them to be able to use the Facebook portal, but, man, they just could not get Hey Portal down. Just couldn't do it. <laughs> and so just the, the lack of contact, and then in those months, my dad has entered into hospice care, and just the helplessness of that. How can I, how can I feel so helpless? Listen, all of those things, and my story may not even be as intense as your story over these last months. Certainly not as intense as Jeff and Carol's story has been. But it led me to this place where I just said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And in that cry of darkness covering my world... <laughs> The still, small, sweet voice of the Lord came. And I heard him say, you know what to do. This is what he said after that. You've been singing it since you were a child. <laughs> you know what to do. You've been singing it since you were a child. And that was all, but that's all I needed because I can remember just leaning back in my desk chair and immediately I found myself singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. You know what to do. You've been singing it since you were a child, and I just, in, I was just enveloped by the reality that Jesus loves me. And I spent time thinking about who he is. I remembered that John, the disciple, encountered him to such an extent that the way that he defined himself, his defining moment came where forevermore he would define himself, and we see it in his writings. He doesn't have to give his name. This is who I am. I'm the one that Jesus loves. That's who I am. He leaned into Christ at the Last Supper, and then years later, maybe decades later, described himself as the one who leaned into his chest. I remember Jesus looking at the rich young ruler, this one who came with prosperity young, prosperity rich, power, authority, 
What must I do to have eternal life? Tell me the investment that I can make. How can I get this? Well, you need to sell what you have and give it to the poor. And he turned away from Jesus. Even after the Bible says that Jesus looked at this rich young ruler, prosperity, prosperity, and power. He looked at him, the Bible says, and he loved him. I remembered that it was at the tomb of Lazarus where Jesus, seeing the pain that's caused because of sin that leads to death, he stood at the tomb weeping because he loved them. The people looking at Jesus, the response that they had about Jesus is, oh my goodness, look how much he loved him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Listen to this, Jesus. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth. That's who he is, but listen. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. You know what to do. You've been singing it since you were young. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Man, I was so in the glory of his presence that I continued thinking. What I've known since I was young, what I've sung since I was young. And I came to this. The (laughs) B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. I found myself being so thankful for my heritage as a Wesleyan. Man, I love that stream. Hold on. All those streams are getting ready to converge into a river that's going to flood the earth with the glory of God. But oh, how thankful I am that I have been nurtured in my faith in that stream. I love it. And at the center of that stream is a man named John Wesley who said, and I believe this is at the core of why God was able to use him so effectively, John who was so trained in so many different 
truths. I am a man of one book. That's what John said. I'm a man of one book. I remembered how thankful I am for the ministry of Billy Graham. And in, I think, 1962 when he was preaching in Philadelphia, Harry and Ann Stevenson went from the top of that stadium to the center of the floor of that stadium and gave their hearts to Jesus. And man, I just rehearsed in my mind hearing how often Billy would say in his message, the Bible says... The Bible says, you know what to do? You've been singing it since you were young. That's the book for me. I stand alone in the word of God. (laughs) You know what to do. Man, I went to Psalm 119. Man, I encourage you, take a week and read it. Longest chapter in the Bible, it goes on forever. But when I went back to Psalm 119, what I was kind of taken by, what gripped my heart in this encounter was the emotion that the psalmist has for the word of God. Listen, I can see. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me be astray from you and your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen to the word of the Lord. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 32. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Verse 41, down through 48. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Listen, I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. (laughs) You know what to do. You've been singing it since you were young. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I want to show a clip that I love. It's a clip of a Chinese underground church led by a woman, probably because the male pastor's been arrested. I don't know that for sure. But it's a clip where they receive Bibles.
shared this with our staff in uh, Lancaster County, and uh, one of our pastors said most of us would have to take our Bible and do this <laughs> when they received it. Their first response was to kiss it. <laughs> we know what to do. We've been singing it since we were young. I, I had another song in my heart in this encounter from Jesus Loves Me to the B-I-B-L-E. I found my soul just welling up with this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That's what I'm going to do. Darkness covers the earth, thick darkness all around us. What are we going to do? We know what to do. We've been singing it since we were young, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Listen, back to Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But, listen, the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm, then you will look and, listen, be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Wait a minute, that's just a couple of verses after darkness covers the earth, thick darkness all around us. Then (laughs) you will look and you will be radiant. Man, just this morning, as I was here while the worship team was practicing, and I just felt so blessed by the Lord to be a part of that and to be in the midst of worship. I Listen, no one can bring me in to the presence of the Lord like watching my son lead. <laughs> and so I was just, you know, Brian said at one point I could go back into the prayer room. I said, I don't want to, I'm already crying right here. Why would I leave? <laughs> and, and it also reminded me of one of the clearest times where the Lord showed me how much he loved me. It was way back in the day when I was pastoring a church that we planted in Wilmore, Kentucky called the Great Commission Fellowship. And my little six-year-old daughter, Corey, came one Sunday morning in the midst of worship. She was wearing a new dress, I think, that I had bought on a missions trip. 
And she looked beautiful. And I can remember her down in front, just all on her own. She came down and she began to spin and twirl as she worshiped the Lord. And I remember thinking, I've never seen anything more beautiful than that. And then I heard the Lord whisper in my ear, that's how I feel about you. And all of a sudden, I found myself, I didn't spin and twirl. But man, I was released into a level of worship. Because I was enveloped by love and, I, and because of what I was feeling, I feel like I felt what he feels over us. And the radiance of that love, that's the promise of Isaiah 60. It's all through scripture. He's the light and he promises to shine on us. And then his light is on us, like the light that the moon has from the radiance of the sun. His light is on us. And I have such a conviction about this. It seems like a broken record for me. I'm pretty sure I said some of these coming words the last time I was here and maybe the time even before that. I seem to come back to it almost every place I've been. Listen. The church will become radiant. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's not on us. Jesus right now is on a throne and has sovereign authority and is the Lord of his church. And it has been promised to us in Revelation 19 verse 5 that the bride will be ready. Jesus right here, right now, is on a throne. He's not twiddling his thumbs, and he's not wringing his hands. He's not bored or disengaged, and he's not worried. 2020 has not thrown him. He is seated on a throne firmly. He is the Lord of his church, and he is perfectly orchestrating the events of the end of this age, so that the bride is ready and radiant. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do in the midst of pandemic? What are we going to do in the midst of tension racially? What are we going to do in the midst of an election that has caused people to go nuts? What are we going to do? We are going to be anchored in this truth, Jesus loves me. I belong to him. I'm weak, but he's strong. What are we going to do? This is the book for us. We stand alone. And we continue to declare who Jesus is in John 1. He is full of both grace And truth, we don't let the pendulum swing one way or the other. We don't condone sin. We don't condemn sin. Sinners. What do we do? We don't fall into legalism. We don't enter into license. We stay with Jesus full of both. Grace and truth. We stand alone in the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. We are people of one book. What are we going to do? 
Let it shine. Let it shine. When, listen, when is light most needed? Absolutely. When is its purpose fulfilled? Listen, here's the perspective. Please, Jesus, help us. We have been chosen in this day and in this time. We've been chosen in this culture to be the ones that his light shines on so that people can see it. We get that. This is our time. Hide it under a bushel? We're going to let it shine. That's what we do. We've known what to do. Jesus loves us. Stand alone on the word of God. We're going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I want to show this clip from Leonard Ravenhill. If you don't know that name, look it up. Find Why Revival Tarries. Did you do it already? Awesome. Man, this is a message that Ravenhill was preaching, and God came. I want you to see it. I'm sick of theology and words. We need God to move in our midst. Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, Lord, don't stay there. Come down here. The one thing that alarms me in America and England is that there is no alarm in the church. You say America needs God. No, she doesn't. The church needs God. If the church gets God, America will soon feel it. She'll be staggering. A preacher said something the other day that's very disturbing to an audience that he was addressing. He said, I want to tell you that if God withdrew the Holy Spirit from my church today, it would function tomorrow the same way we wouldn't even know he'd gone. And methinks that might be written of many churches in that we become so mechanical. We go in at 11 and come out at 12 and the Holy Ghost must come and we open the door of the church and he must leave when we lock it. And we try and lay down the track and say, come Holy Ghost, for thee we call spirit of burning, come, but come our way. We've laid down the conditions. Holy Ghost, come, but please don't violate our theology. Don't upset our status quo. Don't break our hearts over the lost world. Oh, yes, yes, preachers. You and I will raise our hats to Finney and Bulls. And we raise our hats to the martyrs. And we thank God for the last drop of their blood. But we won't give him the first drop of ours. I can't live another day without the fire of God. Consuming me everything that's unchristlike. Consuming me everything which hinders surrender everything. That's revival. When you can't sit through the meeting, you feel you've got a burning cancer. If I don't get to the cross now, I may die before the meeting's over. Every preacher who has lost the fire, you should be on your face down here. You used to burn, but you got so busy with organizing, the fire has gone out. Come on. 
You can't patch up your prayer life when you get to the judgment seat. You can't sacrifice when you get to the judgment seat. You can't weep when you get to the judgment seat. It's all between here and there. Listen, if our God is a consuming fire, and He is, if He takes up residence in you, you'll burn till you die. God needs a torch of holy fire in your house. He wants a fire in you to read the word of God to your family. He wants the fire of God your neighbors will know. I can't live in coldness anymore. I can't live in blindness anymore. I can't be indifferent to a dying world. Yes. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. What are we going to do? We've known since we were young. Let's stand. We've been singing it. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. This little light, we're going to let it shine. Would you worship the Lord and just allow his Holy Spirit to grip hold of your heart in fresh ways. Come, Holy Spirit, come now. Come as we worship you, Lord, as we respond. Fill us, Lord, and put your fire in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.